All right, good morning again, everybody. Thanks for being here. And thanks again, worship team, for leading us in the presence of God. That was rich. It was powerful. Thank you guys so much. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell, and I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch. If I uh, would love to meet you after the service at the Connect booth to just get to know you and tell you a little bit more about our church. We are a people that are committed to three main core values. That's pursue Jesus, love each other, and live on mission. We'll talk about that a lot. But would love to tell you a little bit more about how you get connected here at Antioch. But hey, before the message, I wanted to um, honor and pray over a few people in this room. Um, Maggie mentioned it at the beginning of the service, but um, school starts tomorrow for non-college students. College students, you got one more week, right? All right, go. Cool. You guys care for a second. Tomorrow, be at class. No. And so we want to just honor and pray over our teachers. So I see a few out there. So if you are a teacher, would you mind just standing up real quick? We want to honor you, pray over you. But at least two. All right. Got a, a couple more in the kids' realm. But why don't you just uh, extend a hand to all these folks? If you're next to them, you can put a hand on their shoulder. We're just going to pray the grace of the Lord over this school year, all right? It's hard to be a teacher. I was a teacher once. And didn't make it through. Just kidding. I just decided to change careers. But I just know that it's hard. So let's pray for them right now. Father, we thank you so much for our teachers. Thank you for Joy and Chelsea. Thank you for Brooke and the kids' ministry. Thank you for the Pauls, Lord. We just pray your strength over them. God, the grace of the Lord would be their portion every single day. That they wake up and they head to classes and, and minister to their students. Lord, I pray that you would give them peace that surpasses all understanding. Patience that is from you, Lord. And Father, we pray for an incredible school year. I pray they would feel different. I pray they would feel covered and supported. And we just thank you so much that they get to be salt and light in the school systems around Northwest Arkansas. So bless them today in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. We're proud of you teachers. Thankful for you. Not an easy job, but so proud of y'all. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to just quickly pass it off to Jeremy. He's going to round up this little two-part series on authority. So you guys give it up for Jeremy BR one more time. Take it away, bro. Thanks. Woo! Y'all... Before I get into my message, I gotta honor one more person real quick. Coleman, could you stand up real quick? Okay, how, how many of you guys have ever noticed Coleman's willing attitude to serve and be helpful? Yes, yes. Coleman, you didn't look, but like everyone that knows you just raised their hand, okay? So I just wanna honor Coleman. Coleman, you are such a blessing. I just wanna say thank you for investing in our church for serving, for worshiping and praying like there's no tomorrow, and for like just giving yourself to us. We are better because of your example, and I just want to say thanks so much. You can sit down. Now, today, you get the special opportunity to learn from one of the best, and I'm not talking about my message, actually. I'm not really quite one of the best in the world at communicating, okay, but Coleman is actually leading out our church in going to campus at some point today. Okay, today is Move In Sunday, which is exciting. And that means that there's a lot of freshmen, a lot of new faces on campus at the University of Arkansas that might have some practical needs like hauling boxes and also are looking for who are they gonna be a part of, who is their community. Um, and so we just wanna be present. And I want to invite all of you guys to be present for even if it's two minutes on campus at some point, literally today. If you have questions, 
Coleman can definitely help you. Um, but it's as simple as, hey, see if you can haul a box to an eighth floor. And then while you're going up all those stairs or hopefully an elevator, um, last year with, uh, with COVID, the elevator was, it was a long line. So maybe the elevator will be uh, more functional this year. But uh, regardless, it's just, hey, what's your name? What are you looking to get involved in? Hey, shameless plug. I go to church with an awesome college ministry. You should totally check them out. And you could even text them a graphic or hand them a little card that we have a bunch of in the back with some events we got going on these two weeks. I don't know if you have the graphic uh, back there, Larry, but we're doing a bunch of stuff and there's a lot of ways that people could come get involved, check us out, and would love for you guys to help extend that invitation, even if it's just go eat lunch, um, because this is one of the few problems on earth that Coleman cannot single-handedly meet, okay? He can't carry all of the boxes for all the freshmen, but he would, we know he would try, okay? Okay, so for those that weren't here last week, we were actually in a two-week series titled Authority. Um, and the reason we're doing this two-week series is because we are in a cultural movement that is craving for justice and more often than not, that involves exposing injustices. And usually when we're exposing injustice, we look to the authority. We look to that who is in charge to defend themselves, to explain themselves, to be held accountable, to be the primary pioneers of establishing those justices. And so whether that be politicians, business executives, law enforcement, teachers, pastors, parents, Whoever else, these, these are kind of the tip of the spear. These are the people under the microscope um, as our culture craves justice. And God craves justice. God is a God of justice. And so we are not anti-justice. That would be crazy. We don't want to like avoid these conversations um, about justice. Actually, we want to be leading these conversations. We want the church to be... Uh, not apathetic, but actually like righteously pursuing everything about the kingdom of God on the earth, and that includes justice. And so I think for us to do that well in our culture, that will also necessarily mean that we need to know how to relate to authorities and how to be authorities ourselves. Y'all tracking so far? That's why we're talking about this. So I'm going to recap a little bit about what we talked about last week. We basically just did a theology lesson on like authority what like how what even is it okay and so we established authority is the right to decide direct and enforce and we talked about how that differs from similar words like power and influence and we established that ultimately Jesus has all authority he is really the only authority and no authority exists apart from him and really no authority exists except for his authority but the existence of human authority is not actually in opposition to Jesus's authority but it is in a sense a form of Jesus's authority he established every person that's in any position of authority they are backed by God it's like his uh, set up. And so even though they don't have intrinsic authority themselves, they are operating under the direction, under the establishment of God. And even though they could individually make choices, 
that are disobedient to God, the existence of their role is in that time established by God. And so even in heaven, there is some type of structure or government. There are roles with human authority. And so this isn't just a temporary evil that we have to deal with, but there is a way for people and authorities to be good and for our good and for their good, for the good of the whole world. There has to be a way. And so we discuss the responsibilities of authority. What does God hold authorities accountable to? What is expected of them? And we boiled it down to two main things. Does anyone remember one of those two things? Shout it out. Anybody? Above reproach. Above, live above reproach and love. Live above reproach and love. Ultimately, I believe that people of God are uniquely capable of doing those two things and therefore uniquely qualified potentially to be authorities. And so I challenged us uh, to really evaluate, are we living that way in whatever little authority we might have in some task, in some realm or organization or work, how are we acting as authorities and are we prepared for promotion? Not just calling out others' injustices, but are we willing to lead out injustice ourselves? If God wants us to, and if it would be a benefit to his world that he created, full of people that he created. Okay, so if you weren't here, if you, weren't here you can probably tell it was an action-packed sermon. So you can go to our website and you catch up to speed. If I said anything that you passionately disagree with right there, there's a little bit more to it. You could, uh, you could listen. But for this week, we actually just have one topic that we're going to dive into thoroughly which is how do we respond to authority? So what do we do when we disagree with authority? What if authority is evil? What if there's a conflict of interest between our authority person and what we feel like God has said? Okay, so I might not make a ton of friends this week. And so I just want to encourage you to like, don't just listen to me give a talk. This week, I want you to like take this and and search out the Bible. And if I say anything that you feel like is totally not biblical counsel, I want you to make your counter sermon and email it to me. Okay, seriously. Like all all I want is whatever the truth is to reign. Okay. And so here's how I'm going to break it down this week. Is I'm going to talk about our relationship, our reality, and our response. Our relationship with authority, our reality with authority, and our response to authorities. Okay, so our relationship with authority. Real simple, we're just going to get into it right away, guys. The God-intended nature of our relationship with authorities is to submit. So I'm going to read a few verses that uh, use this language. Romans 13, 1-5. It says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, for he is God's servant to do you good. 
Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities. 1 Peter 2.13 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. And Hebrews 13.17 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. I am a strategist at heart. I'm, I love efficiency, and so I just love the end of Hebrews 13, 17. It's like, hey, if you really want to operate in your own selfish interest, you really should do what your authority says, because it's going to go better for you that way. I'm like, man, that is just such great wisdom. So, but why does it matter that we submit to authority based on these scriptures? Because it is God's authority at work. So if you don't hear anything in this whole message, I just want to encourage you that to submit to authority, to human authority, is to submit to God's authority. And to rebel against or dismiss human authority is to rebel against and dismiss God's authority. If God has asked you to submit to human authority, which, go back, listen to last week, read some of the scriptures we just read, I think he has asked you to do. But let's talk about this word, submit. Okay, submission does not mean I grit my teeth, I go back and forth about whether I like what my authority said, whether I would have done it the same way, whether it's right or wrong, and ultimately, I just swallow my pride and I say, you know what, this one time I'm gonna do what my authority asks, even though I know deep down I can do what I want because my authority is God. There's two reasons why that is not submission. The first is you do not have authority from God to violate God's authority, okay? God is your authority and this human is God's authority over you. And so you don't have permission. I mean, you, you have the ability to disobey your authority. Like, you you can do it. I'm just saying, God's not like, go do that. Like, Romans 13 says, you do this to your own judgment if you rebel against authority. So, in the, that sense of God's my authority, it's like, well, if the authority of God has, has made it clear to submit to the human authorities above you, then you don't have God's authority to rebel against the human authorities above you. The other reason why that's, that type of response is not submission is because that's not what submission means. Here, here are six definitions of the word submit. It says to resist no longer but to give way, to yield to authority, to be weak, to put under, to be subject to another's control, to obey reflexively. So if you think about this, like it's not like I have the power, I hold the cards, and I'll begrudgingly do what you asked me to do. Like, that would be better than I begrudgingly don't do what you asked me to do, but that's not, like, submission. Submission is, man, obey reflexively. Like, without conscious thought, like an automatic response. It is a reflex. So the choice is to be submitted to be subject, to be weak. And the obedience is just like the natural outcome of a genuine submission. Now, let me make a couple things clear. 
First, this command to submit, it is specifically to authorities. You don't have to submit to just anyone's opinion. You don't have to submit to powers or influences, even of the devil himself. You don't have to submit to even wise counsel. You don't have to do what any non-authority tells you to do. Second, there is value to discerning like the righteousness of your authority's direction. There is, it is of value to discern, to question, to pray, to discuss with believers. Is this right? Would, would I, do I think this is justice or injustice? Like, that matters. And so I'm not saying you shouldn't have those conversations, but that exists separately from our submission to our authorities. And we'll go into the example of an unjust authority in a little bit. And thirdly, this command to submit to authorities, it applies not to authority figures inherently, but to authorities who are operating within their authority. Okay, so Jesus is the only one with like actual, real, all-encompassing authority. Everyone else is like given authority over specific realms. So for example, parents, we looked at last week, biblically have authority over their household. So in my life, like my parents are still authority figures in my life. And there is a, a lot of honor and great value that comes with that. But I'm not at their house. Like I have moved out, I'm married, I'm financially independent. Like it's tough in college. It's like sometimes it's gray and it depends culture to culture and family to family. Like when does that transition happen? And every college student feels that pain of lack of clarity at some point. But for me, it is very clear, like, like my parents, if they tell me that I should eat more broccoli today, like, I don't have to, you know, like, they're not the boss of me. I'm not being rebellious if I don't do that. But they're being, but they have the ability to try to tell me who I am and what I can do and what I can't do. Like, they could still do that. They could act that way, but they are acting outside of their God-given authority in doing so. And therefore, it is not my responsibility to God to necessarily submit to what they're saying. There is still a, a character of God that I should exude in my response to them. Okay, so that's our relationship with authorities. Let's talk about our reality. Because our reality is... A lot of our authorities that we interact with in our world, they are not above reproach or loving at all. Most authorities are not going to be that. And so how does this value of submission play out in that scenario? Am I suggesting that we should be subject to, that we should just expose ourselves vulnerably to authorities who might be out to oppress us, who might be out to harm us, hurt us, who are like totally rebellious to God themselves? Am I suggesting that we should submit ourselves to them like we're like sheep among wolves or something? Well, it's not about what I say. It's actually what is God saying, okay? This is not Jeremy's soapbox message. I don't have an, a secret agenda today. I just want with us to, to seek God in this area. And I will say Americans are off 
in this value. This is not like gonna make many movies, you know? This is not like a fun topic, okay? So there could be things we uh, were taught or we have just felt in our culture that like, wait a minute, that might not be good. So let's see, what does God say about evil authorities? 1 Peter 2, 18 and 21. It says, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Not only to those who are good, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under that pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. It's commendable if because of your consciousness of God, because of your willingness to obey God, for you to bear up the pain of unjust suffering, of being under an evil authority. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. Man, I might cry, but guys, the elephant in the room is that some authorities are controlling, manipulative. They find their sense of self-worth in exerting their power over you. And this grieves the heart of God. And here's the thing, like, there's going to be a day when every authority has to give an account to God for their life, for their choices, for the fruit of their authority, for those that were under their authority. And because they were entrusted with authority, they will be judged more strictly. And so it's not like I'm dismissing evil authority, but I'm saying that none of their evil changes the nature of their role in the present. Another way to say this is an authority is an authority regardless of their Christ-likeness. And our Christ-likeness does not exempt us from submitting to authority. Actually, it expects us to and empowers us to. Our Christ-likeness does not exempt us from submitting to authority. It expects us to and it empowers us to. And in doing so, according to 1 Peter 2, we grow in our depth of our relationship with Jesus because we get to follow in his footsteps. We get to feel the pain of unjust suffering. And we provide an example to others. It's commendable. It's worthy of honor. And in 1 Peter 3, which it just goes on, we might just win over authorities for the kingdom by doing just that. You know, last week I talked about how I believe God wants us to be good authorities on the earth. And I think that's true, but if I were to pick one, like, would all believers be, like, holy good authorities? And would that be the way that God's kingdom comes on the earth? Or would all believers be subject to all evil authorities? And would that be the way that God's kingdom comes on the earth? If I could only have us have one role, I think just when I think about our culture, I think we could stand out brighter, be more different from the world, easier in the role of submitting to authority than even being authorities ourselves. 
But if you don't believe me yet about this whole evil authority thing, let's go to the greatest example in history of an evil authority who attempted to exert their power oppressively over an innocent person. And let's see how that person responded. John 19, the starting in verse 5. says, So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man! When the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Take him for yourselves and crucify him. I don't see any guilt in him. And then the Jews answered, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard the statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Maggie, can you try to find me a tissue? <laughs> Maybe like two. So what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying Pontius Pilate has no authority over him? No, he's saying the opposite of that. He's saying, I am affirming your authority to decide to release or crucify me, and I'm reminding you, Pontius Pilate, that it is not because of you that you have that authority. It is because God has given you that authority. And he hasn't given it to you as an individual. He's given it to this person that happens to be in this role over this government. And if that wasn't you, you wouldn't have that authority. Jesus is saying, I'll submit to your authority because I'm submitting to God's authority. Wow. And you know the next verse, what it says? It says, from then, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. Man, that's not even the point of my message, but like when Pilate operated in his authority, recognizing that it was God's, it put a fear in Pilate's heart to lead in a way that was pleasing to God. But ultimately, we know that Jesus, like the Son of God, the perfect one, let some guy named Pilate Decide, direct, and enforce his crucifixion. Jesus submitted to Pontius' evil authority. And if this is what Jesus did, who am I to rebel? On what grounds? And again, if, if you feel like you do have grounds, I want you to send me your sermon. Because I like rebellion. I was the most rebellious kid I ever met. Sorry, get that in the mic. <laughs> now you might be thinking, but didn't Jesus flip tables? Yes, but he had authority to. That was in the temple. Jesus is the great high priest. He's the head of the church. He's the Messiah. He had the right to decide, direct, and enforce how the house of God would worship God. If you contrast the way Jesus interacted with the Pharisees, 
with how he interacted with tax collectors, the government, his parents, it is very clear that Jesus submitted himself to human authority and acknowledged it as an extension of God's authority. But let's talk about our response. What do we do? Because we have this value, this be submitted. But what should we do when we're irked by an authority, when we're wronged? Before I get into too many practicals, I want to give you a framework, a lens of some values that you can operate within. Values for responding to authorities. Security, honor, honesty, humility, and ownership. So by security, I mean like you get your value, your worth, it comes from God. You are not looking to your authority to, to validate you, to give you worth. Honor, you encourage, you respect your authority, you acknowledge the responsibility they have. You acknowledge even one tiny thing once they did good. <laughs> you know, like there is an honor, honesty, full clarity on the issues and a commitment to communicate them. Humility, a willingness to be wrong in your own assumptions. A willingness to maybe find out you're a part of the problem yourself. An ownership. A, a refusal to just point the finger and blame, but a reality that you are part of the team and thus you are part of the solution. You're willing to take responsibility. Here's the thing, y'all. All those values, we would like, we like those words, but when it comes to our relationship with authorities, these values have some implications, guys. They got some implications. And specifically, I think the easiest example I could give, if you have a problem with authority, my question for you is who should hear about it first? Who should hear about it first? Or if, if you want to be, I don't know, difficult, who should hear about it second or third? But should, should our authority be the last person that would ever hear about a problem we have with them? I don't know how, biblically anyway. So if I make disparaging, this isn't just authority, this is just people 101. Like if, if I'm making trash comments about you when you're not in the room, would that be honor? No. And when I hang out with you, if I act like we're all good, would that be honest? No. If I know that I might be misinformed, I might be I might be part of the problem. Would I be sharing my opinions as a hundred percent truth without ever having direct contact with the authorities or issues involved? No way I would do that. If I'm secure and content with who I am in God, I know He's the one that sees me, values me. Any promotion I ever receive in this world. It will come from him, ultimately. Would I be just belittling my manager, like complaining about them all the time with my friends and family and church? I don't, or I don't think I would. If I was humble, is it more likely that I would be angrily praying for God to spite or remove my authorities? Or that I would be praying with compassion for them, for God to renew their soul, knowing that they will face God? 
If I had ownership, would I be placing more emphasis on the things I oppose and the people I disagree with, or would I be placing more emphasis on what I am for and what I want to see and championing what I believe in? Y'all, these values are tough. These are tough. That's actually why I made them into an acronym to help you remember them. Okay, so you'll notice this spells out show. Show. Which is an onomatopoeia for when we get convicted by the Holy Spirit, okay? Remember, if you got a problem with authorities, show. A submission does not mean agreement. You don't have to agree with your authorities. It doesn't mean you're devalued or dehumanized. It doesn't mean you have to stay silent. It doesn't even mean that we always do what an authority wants us to do. The question is, how do we disagree in a way that is submitted? How do we have conflict in a way that is submitted? How do we speak up in a way that's submitted? To tell you the truth, I actually believe that we should be speaking up more, giving ourselves more of a voice, realizing that we could have more influence over this situation than we currently think. I just wish we would direct our voices to the authorities. And I believe that these values are a great filter and compass for us as we do so. I want to uh, get towards the end of my talk here with some more practical examples. Um, I can't speak into every single one of your situations that you might be thinking about and you might hear this talk and then assume that therefore I would suggest this in your current situation and please don't like I don't know all of your current situations and there can be gray like it's not always so clear what we should do and so I'm not so I'm trying to lay a framework at least a foundation that we can go off of but what I don't believe is that your situation is definitely the exception to everything I've communicated so far. Right. Okay? But let me give you some practical examples. We're going to do it by breaking down some of y'all's favorite Bible verse. Okay? You don't know the reference, but you know the words. Acts 5.29. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God, not man. I love this verse. Here's this you don't find this verse like just constantly throughout the whole New Testament, okay? This is the verse that that phrase comes from. And so we're going to go there, okay? Because you know this verse, but what I'm wondering is if you know any of the other verses around this verse. Okay? I'm, I'm just wondering. I'm wondering if you know that. So I'm, I'm going to help you out. So Peter and the Apostle are replying to a human authority that got them in trouble. Do you know what the human authority's command was to Peter and the apostles? They said, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, in Jesus' name. Okay, interesting. So let me just break down four things before you put obey God, not man over your fireplace. Okay. <laughs> First, the command that Peter and the apostles were obeyed, like Jesus' command that they obeyed instead of man's command. It was not just something they felt like God told them. It was a scriptural command. 
There's a difference between me feeling like God's saying something and the actual written word of God. There is a difference in weight there. And if there is a conflict of interest between what I think God is saying and what a human authority that God has put me under has asked me to do, then I am called to submit to the human authority. The conflict of interest simply exposes that I either misheard God or I misinterpreted what he meant or when he meant. Okay, second, the command from God was not just a general command, it was a specific command. Okay, so we do have general commands about Jesus, but in this scenario, an angel of the Lord had actually shown up in prison, set them free, told them specifically to teach people about Jesus at the specific place and on the specific day they were doing it when they got in trouble. Okay, so there is a difference between a general command from God and a specific command. So God tells us to worship him, right? That does not mean that God told me to slam the drums at 3 a.m. at any establishment or neighborhood that I want to. He did not. And just because even if I did that with a totally pure heart, literally just to obey the command to worship God, it does not mean that like he has told me to like do that specific thing in that specific place. And so if there's a conflict of interest between my obedience to God's command and what a human authority has asked of me, I am called by God to submit to the human authority. And to consider, Lord, is there any other way I could obey this command? Is there any other way possible I could worship other than beating these drums at 3 a.m. in this neighborhood? How might I best obey you in light of this conflict with so-and-so and who I know their authority comes from you? If you go through those questions and you realize there is absolute, this is a specific thing. Okay. Okay. Thirdly, the command to teach people about Jesus, it wasn't even just a scriptural command. It's actually a scriptural authority. So we talked about this last week. We looked at a few authorities that Jesus has given believers straight up. No, there's no structure involved. There's no organization. There's no human institution. Just any believer, boom, you have these authorities. Bada, bada, boom. One of them is to teach people to obey the commands of Jesus. So Jesus has given this authority to believers. And so no human authority figure has God given authority to tell a believer they can't do that. It'd be like if a teacher in school told you, hey, here's the thing. You're no longer allowed to overcome temptation. Anytime you're tempted by the devil, you have to do it. Class rules. Like that teacher, they can say that, but you do not, like, they do not have the authority to say that because Jesus has given us authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. And so, in that example, this authority is operating outside of their authority. And therefore, like, they are not called to submit to what this man asked them to do. It is possible when we say, obey God, not man, we're, 
we're not in this exact scenario, okay? It's possible that we are frustrated at the way man is using their authority and we don't want to do what they've asked us to do. But that's different from they actually do not have the authority to ask us what they've asked us to do. Um, lastly, consider how the story ends. Okay, Acts 5, 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin. That was the authority getting them in trouble. Rejoicing. Okay, so we've got some cool values here. Because they have been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. But what did they ultimately do? They left. They left. The authorities in your workplace, they are the authorities in your workplace. But you are allowed to quit. The authorities in your nation, they are the authorities in your nation. But you can revoke your citizenship and move. Wow. I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm not saying that would be wise. I don't want you to move. I want you to be here every Sunday from now on. Just kidding. But, like, whenever we have conflict with authority, we do it just, before we get so, so, so bitter inside, have to acknowledge, we do have a say, to some extent, as to who our authorities are. And it just ties back into that ownership piece. So hopefully this has been clarifying for you guys, at least to some extent, to give you some ground rules of how I best see scripture. And again, I don't have to go into every single one of your examples, but if you're feeling like, Jeremy, the actual implications of what you just communicated are so hard and you can feel your stomach churning, or you've decided that you will absolutely not apply anything I've just said, and so you can feel your stomach again. Like, you're in the right place. This is hard. This is painful. This is difficult. And sometimes this is confusing, but it does matter. Bans, you guys can come on up. Because no matter how good your authority is, there will definitely be conflict. There will be hurts. There will be a misunderstanding. That's not even necessarily related to sin at all. That's just you're different people, different cultures. Like any work that's meaningful is hard. And so maybe you're just stressed. And so we have to know how do we navigate this dynamic specifically with our authorities. If justice is an aspect of God's heart that the world is craving for, and our authority figures are what they are looking to, then our ability to model healthy relationships with authorities is pivotal to the transformation of our society. Our mission is submission. Yeah. I'm not even afraid to say that. So even if we feel so convinced and compelled that in this some specific situation, we do have to defy and disobey our authority. Even that can be done with a submitted heart. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fire. Nebuchadnezzar tells them, worship this idol that I made. Like... They were grieved that they could not do that. I said, long live the king. Like, your judgments are good. Like, we've been leading under you for years. But I can't do what you asked me to do. And they got thrown into a blazing fire. 
and God saved them, and they didn't even hold it against Nebuchadnezzar, you know? Like, they just got even more promoted. Like, oh my gosh, yep, that was a mistake. Sorry for trying to kill you guys. Like, we need to cultivate an ability to look to authorities in a way that is different, set apart from our worldly culture. And what if it could be more constructive? What if it could lead to better outcomes, more sustainable solutions in ways that our authorities actually value and appreciate and that better facilitates the justice that we all long for? But here's the thing, it is up to you. As we close, I just want to be extra intentional to communicate that submission to authority has nothing to do with someone else taking something from you. Submission is not your freedom being stolen. It's not your life being taken. It's not you being controlled or manipulated. It is you that has the power and the freedom to submit. It is your decision to submit. John 10, 17 through 18, Jesus says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay my life down. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. Guys, Pontius Pilate didn't kill Jesus. Jesus gave his life. He gave his submission. An authority figure, they can try to force your obedience but they cannot force your submission. They can try to impose their will upon you, but they cannot touch your will. So some of you might feel like authority figures in your life have stolen something from you. They've, they've tried to force your submission. They've tried to force your will. They've demanded your freedom instead of setting you free. I just feel like God wants to restore what has been taken. Because no one can do that. Jesus, he did not, like, he did not do that. He was not taken from, he gave. And so you have worth and value and you have the ability to choose to come under, to submit. And so if you end this sermon thinking, I just got to do what other people tell me to do. Like you've missed my whole heart in this message. Because it is God's authority I want you to come under. And it is you that I want to come under. I don't want to take anything from you. I don't do what Mitchell asked me to do because Mitchell asked me to do it. I do what Mitchell asked me to do because I'm obeying God. And now when he asks me to do something, it doesn't even have power over me. It doesn't, like hurt nearly as bad when I know that it's not about this. It's not about what your president says. It's not about what your boss says. It's not about what your teacher or your parents said. Like, this this is about me to God. Pontius, you can crucify me. But I'm submitting to God. And so what it looks like for each of us will be different. But I just want us to go into a song of worship as we close out our message and just recenter around this place of, of just God. I don't want you thinking about any authority person. I want you thinking about your heart before the Lord and would you yield it to Him and let Him direct you.
and there is a freedom and a and a power in that place and a value in that place to know that I'm the one that gets to choose whether or not I submit. And what I am submitting to you guys is I think you'll find more life when you do. If this is the way God designed it, then it is for our good. And it's for the good of all those who know him. It is for the good of our intimacy with Jesus. We'll grow closer to him. We'll know him better. We'll set an example that other people can commend that's honorable, that's worthy of replicating. And we might just win authorities over for God. We might. So I'm going to pray, and we'll uh, go into a song of worship here. So Jesus, I thank you that you are the king of the universe. And God, I don't want to take away anything from your authority. But Jesus, if you have put people in our life, and you have given them authority over the realms that they're in, then God, I don't want us to be a church that just dishonors, disrespects all of those people. Because I know a world full of people that do that already. But God, would our room be different in the way that we relate? Would it not be because of people? But would our submission be to you, whatever you say, however you want us to be? And Jesus, I thank you that you are the great example.